Right, take these people, take large sections of the public to the English Channel, those choppy fucking waters. Are you getting on a dinghy on that for fucking this check here? Are you fuck? Hello and welcome to the Great Unraveling Podcast. I'm Matt Walker. I'm the producer of this show, which I make with my good friend, political commentator, Ben Kelly. Hello. Uh, The idea with the show is Ben has a subject for discussion each episode. Um, We discuss it. Uh, Sometimes we do find that that subject is a bit beyond us, so we'll either plow on regardless and hope for the best, or we'll get a guest or two on to fill in the gaps where, you know, there should be, like, interesting things and facts and shit. Um, And that's the case today, so please enjoy. I'm well, thank you. Good. What are we uh, talking about today? Uh, well, today we're going to talk about uh, immigration. Uh, originally, we'd wanted to do an episode after Nigel Farage's latest ventures, but instead we're going to tackle the subject more broadly. And uh, we have a guest on today again, some fool who's been willing to come on. <laughs> I'm just going to abuse him before he even starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <Matt. laughs> Oh, it... Welcome to Dan, Dan Sohegi, is that, that's the correct pronunciation, I think. Sohegi. Oh. She literally told you how to say it and you still fucked it up. Like, I, I asked you to say it, Sohegi, that's not, that, what, I, what stuck in my head was how not to pronounce it. So, <laughs> classic, my brain just went there. Thanks for coming on, sorry to get your name wrong. Yeah, 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 good and good. <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> And we've got a special guest, uh, Sam Berman, to do a guest monologue as well. Ooh, so um, we don't have to listen to you do a monologue. No, thank God. Uh, nice. I should say he's the uh, Sam Berman, former director of the Adam Smith Institute and uh, director of competition policy at the Law Economic Centre. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you're the other one who knows him, so you should know. Yeah. International Centre for Law and Economics, so to say. Cool, should we start then? Let's. Good. Many people worry about immigration being too high. But when you ask them why, it's not because they hate foreigners or even because they think immigrants will make Britain un-British. In fact, it's for perfectly understandable reasons. They worry that immigrants will make it harder for them to get jobs or to access public services. In polling of people who want less immigration, these economic concerns dominate the concerns of people who want less immigration, with concerns about crime and culture winning only single-digit support. The good news is that the economics of immigration are very positive for people in the countries that those immigrants go to. Immigrants do supply labour, taking jobs, but they also demand labour when they spend the money they've earned, which creates jobs, and so the net effect overall is zero. But the quality of jobs available actually gets better. 
As more immigrants enter the labor force, the economy can become more complex and sophisticated in the same way that when a country trades internationally, it can focus on the things that it's best at. This is what Adam Smith called the division of labor, and it's what allows us all to be more productive when we work with other people in our lives. Instead of trying to do everything, we do what we're individually best at, and then we trade with others who are doing what they're best at, and we're both better off. We don't have to look at complex econometrics to see this happen in the real world. In Denmark, for example, a study of Yugoslavian refugees in the 1990s looked at what happened to the kinds of jobs that natives did when refugees moved into their areas. It found that the more refugees moved into an area, the more sophisticated and well-paid the jobs that natives ended up getting became. It was the division of labour in action. And as for costing public services, immigrants actually subsidise the rest of us by paying more in tax than they cost in spending. As we get older and more dependent on the pension system and the healthcare system, that transfusion of new taxpayers will become even more valuable to us. The bad news is that many people are not aware of these things. The good news is that they're surprisingly open-minded. More and more experiments are finding that when you tell people about the positive effects of immigration, they become more sympathetic to it, and that sympathy endures over time. So why do people worry about immigration? For the most part, it's because they have rational concerns and they're willing to change their minds about them if we take those concerns seriously, treat them with respect, and show them the evidence that might address those concerns. And that's something to be optimistic about. So yeah, welcome Dan. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, what's um, so? What 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 do you what do you do? What are you for? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm director of a consultancy called Stand for All. So we sort of give policy advice and research things for other charities. So smaller ones which can't really have the yeah backing to do it themselves. So we give pro bono advice for that. Draw in people who are willing to give their time or are experts in different fields and get them in touch with people who need it. That's sort of, that side of things. So. Yeah. So I mainly work with sort of migrants' rights, human rights areas on messaging. Nice, nice. Sounds interesting. Sounds very sounds like a, serious yeah. stuff. That proper job. That it's a proper proper job, isn't it? Yeah. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> makes me makes us probably both one day even more. What on earth are you doing on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I wanted to like I think Ben and I were just like interested in chucking some like myths and misunderstandings and yeah. <laughs> misconceptions at you and testing your kind of knowledge and see <laughs> seeing, seeing what you've come back with yeah. so there, there is like this conception of, of especially like um asylum seekers coming over on boats and um coming over for the benefits to kind of suck on the the the, the teat of the uk state yeah they're all desperately on that dinghy thing. Cannot fucking wait to get my dole check. Woo! That's what they're doing. And they've just got their <laughs> three P per week increase. That's why they're making the trip. Yeah. Really? Three P per three week? Three P per week. They've just been given an increase. It's now £39.63 off the top of my head, I think. Or £36. Sorry, so £36.93. Try and get those numbers right. Per week to live off. And that covers everything. That's your whole lot. Germany pays the equivalent of about 80 quid, and France, I think, is about 
45, 43, 45. Do you get any other benefits like housing, anything like that? You do get an accommodation allowance, potentially. You aren't entitled to any council housing or anything like that. So when you hear people saying, oh, they're all in hotels and stuff, I mean, the hotels they're in are, some of them are just absolutely dire. Been to them and if that's four star, then someone's being ripped off on TripAdvisor if they're taking mm. it because they are dying a lot of them. But you don't get any, you're not allowed council housing. Or yeah, this like is that. the thing, isn't it? This it's is the most private. This is the most pernicious part of it. So you have this belief that one thing that, that our benefit system is particularly generous over uh, European ones, where as we know, they should have gone first because. You'd have got to go to the first, that's another point. Got to go to the first safe country. Oh, we're going to that one, yes. <laughs> um, um, so they're there with a head full of dreams about benefits. Because, you know, would you, I mean, you're, you're in a dinghy on the channel for 90 quid a, a, a fortnight or whatever it is. Um, so people think our benefit system is generous. People think they're motivated by coming over. And this is this is asylum seekers and just economic migrants as well, just desperate to come over here and claim the dole. It's it's very difficult to explain to someone why 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 these things aren't true. I mean, people have been you know like yourself have been trying to get these myths popped for a long time. Uh, what's what's your tactic for that, Dan? When you're having to talk to people about having to, you've got to frame it in a way they're going to understand. I mean, as I said a lot of the media coverage, a lot of stuff that's been there for years. I mean, this isn't any one government or anything. This goes back decades so it's very ingrained in people's ideas that this is what's happening so it's trying to just sort of frame it in ways that gets through that and it's chipping away at it slowly it's a long-term thing i mean touched on the whole safe country thing that's the one we keep hearing is first safe country now that's that has never existed in anything the closest you get is in what's called the Dublin regulations, yeah. which don't have you know that's the EU law governing how people, you know, member states deal with asylum seekers. And you have first point port of entry there, but it's bottom of a list of things that the states have to take into account for who allocates refugees where. But it still kind of really hit home where people go, oh, first yeah. safe country, first safe country. France is safe, Germany is safe. You know, well, yeah, it's safe for you and me. That's fine, but it might not be safe. For you. Think about if you go to a football match. I'm a Liverpool supporter. If I'm wearing red, I'm probably not safe in certain pubs. If I'm wearing that outfit, you're perfectly safe in them. Yeah. So uh, it's trying to use that sort of language so they understand. Yeah, it. understandable for a, for a Muslim not to feel safe in somewhere like France at yeah. the moment. <clears throat> I think there's a few reasons why, yeah. Um, next one. All right. So, um, <laughs> um, so there's, there's a conception of the UK being a soft touch. The UK's got some of the most draconian immigration laws going at the moment. I mean, indefinite detention is, I think we're only one of two countries in Europe using it. So, with so what's the, that? Sorry? That, sorry, indefinite detention is where you don't have to give a time frame for how long you're detaining a migrant if you believe them to be undocumented, for example. So people could be detained, for, theoretically, for years without any chance, no knowledge of when they're going in. 
the line which sums it up best, I can't remember who said it, so I do apologise for anyone listening who actually was the organisation who used it, was in normal detention when people count down until they're released. In immigration detention, you count up because you don't know when you're going to get out. Fucking hell. <laughs> so when you say, like, held in detention centre, what, what's that then? Is that a five-star hotel? I imagine so. Swimming pool. It's got to be on it. Wonderful <laughs> places. Three, three meals yeah. a day, mate. Fucking hell. Yeah. They're, they're prisons. They're, the rates of mental health issues, self-harm in them are just off the charts. It's Grim. huge, huge issue. You've possibly heard of places like Yellswood, yep. for example. Yep. That's, yeah. yeah, I mean, big, big issues with them. Um, we're at the moment now sort of meant to be cutting down on them. The idea was we'd reduce the number, but we're now opening up camps for asylum seekers, which chances are will end up being the same thing. And I, get, so, I don't know if you agree, but I get a sense that uh, that um, people are able to look at the immigration debate and whatever concerns they might have, and almost it's, it almost becomes an abstract thing. So that you're able to read a newspaper and see that kind of treatment of human beings, you know, in a d- detention centre, mm. and think, good, good, because because yeah. that practically. What else are we supposed to do? That makes sense. Blah blah blah. And then the, other people, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure other people, when faced with the reality of what it means to support certain policies, may then change their mind as well. Obviously, they are. Public attitudes are shifting. Um, 2011, there was the idea that immigration undermined British culture, and about 40% of people thought that. That's now down to about 20%. So it's... Um, trying to think what it was. There was a belief that migrants are good for the economy. It was 20% in 2013, and then about 40% now. So it's they are switching places, the views. It's gradually softening, but you get those hardcore lot. It's, it, it's interesting, this, this consistent surveys of a, since we had the EU referendum that showed the public being more positive about immigration. It, uh, it's interesting to see that in surveys. I don't, you know, it's very difficult to perceive that tangibly in real Ooh. life. Um, I, I, what do you think might be behind the, the change in attitudes over the last few years? Because I, I initially thought maybe people just thought something was going to get done because we'd voted for Brexit, so they're feeling Ooh. a bit more positive about that. Do you think it's... Maybe that's a pessimistic view, or with the attitudes. I think we've had so many immigrants come in that they're the ones that are now answering the polls, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're affecting... bloody knew it. Come over here. Affecting <laughs> you our say polls. That, I've actually heard people using that argument. Yeah, I bet. so but um, actually, <laughs> is it is it also you know uh, it, we've been consistently showing the migration is I think EU migration mainly down. Yeah. Over the yeah. last few years, maybe it's motivated by that. Or again, is that? Do you think that's too pessimistic? Are people really that, changing? No, because I mean it's been changing since about 2013. So it was changing before the Brexit vote, and yeah, we keep hearing about immigration and stuff in Brexit. But that's because the people who want to keep it out there keep it out there. For most people, it's actually secondary on what they're valuing and what they're looking at. They, you know, they people care about. Where's my job coming from? How much am I going to be earning? Am I going to be able to pay my rent or my mortgage and the bills and stuff? 
And then you get the other group who use those figures to try and say, this is why we need to look at immigration. But so it's not, the thing this is part of the problem is that people look at it as go, oh, we need to tackle this perception of immigration. Well, we do, but we also need to tackle what are the reasons that people can actually shift that blame onto immigration, because that's the main thing people are scared about. Yeah, it's mainly normally economic factors or disaffection themselves. So you work on that and hopefully you then change the views on immigration as you go along. But that's why you get that mix of the policies work, because it ties in with other things normally. I reckon, anyway. There are some things to be positive about, I think, because yeah. although you make the same old arguments and things keep coming up again and again and progress is slow... I feel kind of it says something I feel kind of strange talking about being bullied as a child, having sort of uh, racial abuse thrown at me. Because now, when they are more diverse society we have as a whole, I don't think you know. I don't. Basically, I've always I've always ticked the box that says white British. I don't exactly look apart from you. Maybe when I've been on holiday, Uh, no one look at me and say, "Oh yes, (laughs) you know, possibly from someone else or whatever," but. Just yeah. being a different skin tone and having, you know, having noticeably standing out and, and getting called a packy and all kinds of stuff. I think Matt had this as well. Uh, and that seems weird now. And, and you know, go to... I, here's the thing. I moved back to the area I grew up and going, you know, to the school where all this happened and the area where all this happened to see it. You know, it's not diverse, but it's more diverse. So it's a, even see, that was like, well, things changing. The idea of me now having these words and things thrown at me and being made to feel ashamed of myself to the point that for uh, until I was in, in my thirties, I wanted to avoid ever getting a tan. It's a real psychological thing. Mm. Uh, that seems weird now. So something must've changed. Obviously, and I think that part of it is the, the more diverse we get, the people become more understanding, you know, that changes attitudes itself. Mm. That's what we see. And, uh, it, it shows that, that, um, People's attitudes to immigration are usually more negative in areas that don't have much immigration, and I can see that, and especially more now because people can, you know, they read the news on social media, so it doesn't really matter if it's not going on where you are. Yeah, but it, it just you know things have clearly improved in the, in terms of racial attitudes and attitudes to immigration over the last few decades. So the, the I think there is something positive to take there. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's it's getting better. We're, as I say, we're about the 40-45% mark, sort of thing, for positive attitudes, but it's going up. You, YouGov did a poll recently about sympathies towards asylum seekers. And, OK, fine, not a lot of sympathy isn't great, but it's better than no sympathy. So if you, you had about three-quarters of people had some form of sympathy with them. Now, I'd have said five years ago, if you'd tried that, you'd have had three quarters of people saying no. So, probably not that, but you'd have had a high proportion. Mm. It is getting better. Um, maybe there's a flip side to that social media aspect. You're obviously often very negative about it, but maybe some people seeing you, you've got access to information, you can see more yeah. about these things and discover more about them. And that, you know. It's really hard to vilify people if you actually know yeah. them. So, it's why you see anti-immigration sentiments are higher where you have fewer yeah, immigrants. Yeah. Yes. 
and mm. social media now if you're talking to people you get to know people it's really hard to go oh well we don't like those forests but yeah apart from the guys i work with i'm friends with online that they're, they're fine and it's you know you start to have to question what you do and so... i've read stuff about you know people uh having this kind of thing where i think it where they're like yeah they're, they're negative about whether it's immigration or asylum seekers or whatever and then it's kind of like oh but not you if they have a friend who yeah. who who seems to contradict their own attitude it's a very strange thing. there is a bigger thing though with it i mean something to think on is the fact that okay i said yeah they're going it's getting better before brexit but before brexit we were still starting to ramp up the discussion about immigration as people were trying to push brexit and people haven't actually had to face it. It was something you talked about with your mates or in groups or your buddies. And you just were in those little echo chambers. No one was actually forced to go, OK, defend your point, argue it and why are you right? And they've had to start doing that now. And that's causing a lot of people, I think, to go, oh, actually, I hadn't thought of that. I didn't look at it like that. And starting to have to look at stuff from a different angle. Maybe I'm an optimist on that. Speaking of optimism, and uh, sorry, uh, I just I wonder what can be done to try and change public attitudes further. What we need for that to happen because I think it's going to get more and more important. Because, (laughs) and in my personal view, uh, we have lost uh, some valuable reciprocal freedoms and rights by losing freedom Mm -hmm. of movement. And I think it was mostly down to the myths around that, and and uh, and also yeah. people not really getting a sense of actually we benefit from it as well, and you're benefiting it from now every year. You're benefiting from from it all the time. You know when I when early on I, I went to work in Amsterdam in under two thousand eight, and didn't, it didn't dawn on me till quite a bit later that it was the only reason it was so easy to do is because of freedom of movement, and didn't actually even dawn on me for a long time. So how many people all over? country are not realizing that it's a reciprocal benefit for them and their and their children to to enjoy yeah how do we change just attitudes? look at the number of people shocked by the fact they've got to go through the queues now yeah yeah they, yeah so hang on well what happened we weren't meant to feel this um it's showing people the other side it's showing their self their own self-interest why it benefits them having the discussions and trying to depoliticize it because the weird thing about immigration is that it should be one of the least political things going. Because every party, Labour, Coalition, Conservatives, have all used it as a way to go, right, hang on, we need to deflect, we need to move this on. And all they do is try and one-up themselves. But if you try and depoliticise it and people stop seeing it as a left and a right issue, then you're going to start also being able to have those discussions and chip away at, well, hang on, have you thought about the facts on this? Uh, people saying, oh, they take jobs. Well, no, nah, they don't, mate, because they actually help create jobs. Oh, they cause decline in wages. Mm, nope. Proven by studies, very little effect on wages. Yeah, so it's just trying to get those facts out, but trying to make it as a way that people all stop looking at it. You say it now, and it's you're automatically a lefty do-gooder. You say it when Labour's in power, you'll get a different type of insult. So it's trying to take the politics out of it and get people to look at it from just a human point of view. And that is, that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. And part, I think part of the problem is it's, is it's, rea- you, it's reactive like that, isn't yeah. it? It's like we get, you get criticisms thrown at the issue 
and people who people defend it, but it's not actually put across as like a positive thing proactively. Um, it's not. It's not. You know, people don't talk about like the actual benefits that immigration yeah. bring and why we should do it. Um, yes, there's the reciprocal thing, but there's also you know, economically, it it, it benefits us socially, culturally, <laughs> um, as well. It depends who you're talking to of what argument you use. Economically, is going to play well with certain people. Culturally, is going to play well with certain people. It's trying to modify those arguments for the audience that you're talking to. But yeah, it. Immigration benefits us in pretty much every single way going, if you can look at it from a positive angle. So. I just think it's like the kinds of the, the kinds of people who make it here, who've mm. taken all of that kind of effort to get over, um, they're kind of they're kind of go getters, you know, they're the mm. kind of people yeah. who <laughs> you want contributing yeah, exactly. to your You did your, your you society, did what? You got in a fucking dinghy and went across the English Channel just to get just <laughs> to get here. Fair play, fair play. And for every one of for every one of those, there's you know the lazy brother who's sat at home, yeah, saying, scrounging, idiot, twat. Right? Why don't you come over here and get yeah. some fucking work done, pal? That's what I say. Yeah, to have a good like a country that's generating off that it, kind of. Maybe it's just all about um, saying to people, energies, you get on a fucking yeah. dinghy. Do you think no one's coming <laughs> over here for the? Would you? Would you go right? Take these people. Take large sections of the public to the English Channel, those choppy fucking waters. Are you getting on a dinghy on that for fucking this check here? Are you fuck? Are you paying this amount of money to get on the dinghy for yeah. that check there? Fuck me. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to make light of it, because it is easy if you just don't think about these issues for too much if you, while you're raging at your newspaper or whatever. Uh, but, you know, when you really dig into it, it's like, come on. Really? Benefits? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it, you can't work when you get it. You can't get benefits apart from it's yeah, No one's coming over for that. <laughs> and then when you can yep. get work, bear in mind, majority of asylum seekers globally tend to be higher educated, middle class. The ones who manage to make it to Europe because it costs a lot of money to become a refugee. Yeah. If you're travelling that distance, it costs a lot of money. And they end up being unable to work in lots of different jobs because it's, oh, well, hang on, how did you get here? Well, how does that matter? But, so we see this whole weird cycle going on with it. The people see them as, oh, they're, they're taking advantage without actually going... It's Schrodinger's migrant. They come for the benefits and take all the jobs at the same time. talking earlier about good old 2007-2008 when the uh, after the economic crash and oh, scrabbling around yeah. for jobs I came, I came back to Hull then and I as I say there wasn't any jobs um, 
and they ended up having to take agency work and do these massive, horrible, hellish long shifts in a factory, uh, which was a bit of a shock to the system and actually quite life-changing in a way because by then I'd developed enough middle-class sensibilities to think that working in a factory really... That's not me. I don't do that. What? I'm not meant to work in a factory. Uh, found out, yeah, I had to adapt. And there were, there were some some settings where uh, you were basically working with... There was just me and everyone else was Polish or from that sort of region. Mm. So that was, that was kind of strange to see because I hadn't... You know, I'd never worked in an environment where it was mostly... Uh, people from speaking a different language, and you know, it didn't it didn't like scare me or worry me, but I thought it was interesting to to see that, especially in the area in which uh, in Hull area where that would have been unheard of, not that much longer before that. Uh, but you know, I, mean, <laughs> I just often found myself they were kind of like machines, people just like working on fussed while I'm just like fucking bullshit. It's supposed to be fucking. This, this, I don't work in factories, <laughs> and it was long, long hours as well, twelve hours, and it sometimes got hostile, and oh, intense. Yeah. Everyone's just like, "This is fucking shit," you know. Forget, I mean, you know. So they're, they're hard. There's, oh, we're working with the people who, are, you know, everyone's fucking slogging it out, and no one's enjoying it because it's boring as fuck. And I remember get, getting into an argument with this Polish fellow. He's a nice guy, but we just, I don't can't remember what it was about. It was, it was some kind of tension, faced up to each other a bit. And then I heard him say, he said something like, fucking idiot. And I thought he'd said, you British idiot. And I was like, you, what'd you call me? I was like, I called you an idiot. I was like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> British idiots, you know, unacceptable. Just a general sort of that's idiot. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you, yeah, I think you mentioned the... the, the that doesn't worry that didn't worry you in the sense like existentially i guess but or patriotically but um now you can see how that would worry people um, i absolutely or, can see with them then obviously in, in some factories where types of people well it, it's it's i could see how even that could worry someone who's not necessarily you know i know it's touching you know you walk in a fine line not necessarily race it's just kind of of it was kind of it, don't get me wrong yeah. it was weird it was weird to suddenly be like well that's strange i'm working in hull but all everyone here is Polish or where, whatever, you know, and uh, that's kind of weird. And also, I did often think, where do these people even go? Because I don't seem to see them anywhere <laughs> in, my, in the city. Uh, it didn't scare me, but it was strange. Uh, it's growing up in a city where there wasn't much Im- immigration. I can see how that can easily spin out into various, you know, negative re- reactions or, you know, just. Yeah, it's I think always, wherever you live, there is always going to be that aspect of, even in a country where sort of, you're British and you're in a factory where everyone else is Polish, no matter where you are, if you're in the minority, there's always going to be a bit of a shit, right, what's going on? And I think that's a lot of where you see some of the narratives coming from, like the likes of Farage, of going, ah, well, you're going to be in the minority now in your country. And people suddenly go, yeah. oh, Crap. I mean, the fact that you're obviously not doesn't seem to register with people, but it's that very much wherever you are, whatever setting you're in, if you're in, you feel like you're in a minority, even if you know you can walk out the factory and you're in Hull and, yeah, of course not, it's still you have that in the back of your head of going, what's going on? And it just creates a bit more insecurity for you, which they complain. So. And for- like yeah yeah and like it like any like anything like this and kind of um you, it ends up you know the, so we've got this overall kind of basically a positive mm. thing 
it's immigration, but you have these kind of uh, small byproducts, negative byproducts, which is basically putting poor people in situations where they're afraid or they feel um, or afraid for you know their, their livelihood or um, their, you know their culture. Um, uh, yeah, inevitably it's going to disrupt people people in, in the, is, the working class more than oh god, it's always going to be a very class based interest. In, you know, issue on it. And it, it is so just trying to show that, look, there isn't that threat there. There isn't anything to worry about with it. But that's always going to be hard. You know, people are going to be scared, but you, there isn't a reason for them to be when you get right down to the facts and figures on it and the evidence. But emotion really runs on evidence. So. For balance, yeah. I, just, I should say that... Um... Whatever, if I ever had a negative thought about people working in factories <laughs> and whole, I had I had literally just come back from Amsterdam where I was working, you know, as a uh, economic migrant or whatever. Or, uh, in, so <laughs> would have made no sense to be angry about. That. I was, um, I definitely took the job of a Dutch person who could have been a much much better waiter than me. <laughs> fucking horrific at that job. How dare you come to our country and do waitering so badly? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you being a waiter at all. Yeah, <laughs> fucking dis- in a different country. And I was like, yeah, yeah. No, it was fucking disaster. I I got on well with the people I worked with, so that that helped me get through the summer. And then they were kind of just like, yeah, we're gonna have to let you go because your work is kind of like we all like you, but your work is kind of like, Ugh, which is, <laughs> I think, just to say you're a dithering fucking idiot. <laughs> this is not for you. And I was just like, yeah. Totally. Thanks for letting, keeping me this long. To be honest, bye. It's, it's probably what Dan was thinking when you were half an hour late for the uh, podcast today. <laughs> I am not saying a word. So I thought um, that maybe to, to, to try and get us into a conversation. Um, so so I read somewhere and I did some training actually at some point. Um, and in uh, I, that, that what, what am I trying to say? So in terms of your racial prejudices, your <laughs> racial like, biases, so it's on topic, yeah. they say that that's formed at like quite an early age. I've right. heard like read, read that it's like about seven. Mm, that it's, normally, it's kind yeah. Yeah. So then that made me think, uh, oh, I wonder what, 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 what's, what school was like for Ben and Dan. And maybe, you know, <laughs> Ben, could you, have you got any like in- embarrassing stories for when you were a child? <laughs> I'm just putting you straight on the spot. Oh, it, it, what, was school, what was school like for you? You got bullied, didn't you? Uh, we were yeah. Gonna have, we are going to have a cry. <laughs> it wasn't all. Keep it, it light. <laughs> it wasn't all like that. Uh it wasn't all like that. Um, I had friends and stuff, so it wasn't like I was uh, totally isolated. But there was, yeah, I did get, I did get bullied, uh, and they did seem, you know, as as I said earlier, tend to go straight for calling me packy and stuff like that. Um, and you know, as I said earlier, it wasn't a it wasn't a diverse area. 
Um, do you have any uh, memories? Have you got any shit memories from when you were a child? Well, where, where <laughs> was specific <laughs> ones? Where, Would you like to talk them through? <laughs> going back to what I said earlier, is it moved back to where I grew up, which is sort of strange because living in a, in a not that far from the estate where I grew up and to go back there was for the first time in you know decades was very weird because it felt really small I just remember it being this vast place because back in my day I was used to go out for most of the day and just fucking do whatever I wanted uh, I don't know if that's back in my day I just had a really shit mother but um, basically just <laughs> you know go out and just do what kids do you know vandalise phone boxes throw rocks at stuff uh, no, just I was a bit of a scrot, and, and but it was a kind of place where you know I could go around what were the you corner. Throwing rocks at? What were you throwing uh, rocks at? Trains, <laughs> trains, <laughs> moving trains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, we were troubled children. Um, no, I remember that from being yeah. a kid as well, playing yeah. on train tracks. Yeah, and I, I've mentioned that to someone before, and they were like, "You played on train tracks? You're fucking mad!" Like, yeah. no, no, you just yeah. felt totally normal at the time. <laughs> My house was right next to the train tracks. We had my house, dirt track, train track. Um, yeah, I used to play on them. And yeah. the golf course, uh, golf balls at the trains as they were going past. <laughs> as you do. Yeah, that, <laughs> Thought it seemed fun. Um, I mean, that, uh, if that's not fun, I don't know what is. Beverly's been a bit more gentrified since I was that uh, younger. And the, the sort of uh, general area doesn't seem... I don't think it's just a thing that I perceived differently as a child either. It was, it was quite rough, and um, it was the kind of place where, like, you worried. You know, sometimes you'd go around the wrong corner, run into the wrong person, and yeah, you're gonna get beaten up. <laughs> um, and yeah, just would have a group of friends who you just left to go out and walk around an estate and get up to really dumb. We used to just do dumb things. Yeah, throw rocks at trains. I remember vivid memory of thinking it was hilarious to go into a phone box and ring 999 and, you know, fuck their shit up by just fucking about. Um, but, yeah, ringing them up and going, hey, hey, please, do you want an ambulance or not? No. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> fucking trying to save people and shit. Oh, yeah, we played chicken on the railway. Played chicken with a train. If you lose that, oh, man. you're to you. Yeah, I didn't do They're that. They're not known for stopping and swerving. No, you get, be- <laughs> get beeped at by the train driver thinking, you fucking idiot kids. And we're just like, oh, train wanker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my, that was my childhood. Yeah, strange. Because, yeah, it feels a long, long, well, it is a long time ago, but you know what I mean? Just feels like very disconnected from it. But yes, yeah, thank you for exploring that, Matt. That's all right. I used to do a thing where I, they just reminded me of like those kinds of days. Where did you um, grow up, Matt? When you I grew up in Cheshire, <laughs> <laughs> Cheshire, I'm a country country bumpkin in Cheshire. But um, um, we used to do a thing where like we'd you'd find old like um, metal bins, and you'd fill them with well, you fill them with like um, newspaper and stuff, and 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 you'd also put in uh, deodorant <laughs> cans. Georgian cans oh. and wrap them in newspaper. Did you ever used to do anything like this? And then you'd set the whole thing on fire, <laughs> and then you'd be like, waiting for the like little explosions, well, big explosions to go, off. huge fireballs going off into the air, and and then you'd like kick it over, and there'd be one that would still be <laughs> not quite exploded, and you'd, it would just explode <laughs> under your foot. And Amazing, very it's dangerous all, things. It's all this yeah, thing, yeah. brain chemistry of children that just don't understand 
the risk such a, it doesn't <laughs> oh. matter because I'm not going to get hurt because that just wouldn't happen, obviously. <laughs> so I can just do that. I just remember sitting in a bush and sucking on lighter gas as well. In a bush, in like a park in the middle uh, of the day. Okay, that's all on you though. That one can't relate. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck were you doing? Mad. Anyway. Yeah. How are you done? Uh, quiet. Didn't do it. I was a sweet and innocent <laughs> child, really. really? You know, never, really? never caused any problems. No, I, I grew up in Liverpool. Um, and went to all boys school, private school up there, which I absolutely hated and tried to block out for many many years it's uh yeah it's a joyous place got heavily <laughs> bullied um yeah that's interesting and and i mean i'd like to know more about that actually because it's sort of going to a different sort of torment uh really in a sort of class oh. sense going, uh, <laughs> lovely <laughs> no no but I mean, hang on hang on so we're in the therapy session now no, so, no, that's, uh... <laughs> that, yeah that's that's interesting yeah i bet that does uh, sound hellish already to be honest and you've not uh, even told me I, I absolutely hated it my mum died the saturday of the first half term of my first year so i've been in the school for about five weeks four or okay, five weeks this is grim now yeah well don't <laughs> worry. It's, it, it gets worse um but yeah so after that i was fairly shit but yeah, had some fun there. Uh, Did you have to yeah. go straight back to school? Yeah, I went straight after the half-term holiday. Went straight back to school. <laughs> wow. So, come on, son, on. get over it. Yeah, 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 yeah that, that was right. That was my dad. So, yeah, man up. Yeah. We all loved you. We, worse, we all really, loved you. Worse things happen. Yeah. Well, just oh that. Thanks. Um, we well, all loved yeah. your mother, I, myself, Dan. Still... We all thought she was great, but come on. By the way, this is, got, this is this is this is Tracy. You, you joke. I I still have my t- my report from the end of that term, which goes. Well, I appreciate Daniel's had some issues this term, but I feel that he's not really paying attention in class. <laughs> <laughs> so set me extra homework over Christmas. It's like I look at that and go, "You utter cock." <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, it's joy. But ah, I, I did have some fun. I used to be on the stage crew, which uh, caused. All manner of wonderful things. You could hide off and smoke during the assemblies and stuff, which was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you had access to all sorts of great tools and stuff, which you can make all sorts of shit with and cause chaos. So, <laughs> I used to enjoy doing that. So, <laughs> uh, one thing I did want to just touch on, oh. Matt won't be pleased about this, but. Isn't it? Bit, we'll just do do it in a kind of the way we usually do, where we just say, you know, isn't that weird? Isn't this all strange? Is this normal? But you know, the election that's going on. Say something about election. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I told you. I don't want to. I don't. I haven't got anything to say about. It. I don't want to. I've not got. I've not rehearsed anything. It is just a bit. You know. Do you know what you have to do? I've, one thing I've been trying to do though is to just remind myself this isn't normal. You don't have to think this is normal. Just remember, this isn't this isn't normal. When he's like tweeting out things about stopping counting votes and <laughs> and sounding very much like a despot, and and it's very easy just to you get so normalised where you're just like, yeah, it's not real. It's not real despotism because obviously you know can't do anything. It's just no, it's madness. It's madness actually. I don't want to go too far down that road. It was just kind of like just just. Reading the tweets and reading the news and just thinking, I mean, hopefully it's going to be a story how the American uh, democratic system got through it in the end. But, it, you know, that's what I'm hoping the story is. But you can, you can, it just was a little, little glimpse of how 
a country like that, you know, the leading democracy in the world could could flip, you know, maybe a different person, someone more clever, someone with more allies, I don't know, something could easily could you could see it happening now, you know, that's that's well, fascinating. It has. I mean well I was yeah, reading a thing yeah. not that long ago of basically loads of countries which have tried using the American system end up as dictatorships. It just because if you've got the president, the house and the senate, you own it. So long as you can control your party. I think Trump's doing a he spent the last four years doing a test of destruction on if the US can actually handle it. I watched uh, the Kirby rule, uh, you know, uh, on Sky. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was quite good. It was quite uh, the best thing about it though was it was quite interesting just to watch a fictionalized version of events. That was actually, and it was actually quite a good reminder of how strange and not normal it is just to watch that. Uh, I've got that lined up for viewing. And it makes me feel weird the idea of watching that because it's such recent history. Mm. It was it was quite fascinating. Yeah. Like and and uh, Jeff Daniels, uh, his actor, I really enjoy. So he, he that was good. But uh, Brend- yeah, and Brendan Brendan Gleeson was. Oh, he's brilliant. I tell you what, Brendan Brendan Gleeson in that film obviously it builds up to it and it doesn't disappoint when it comes on. He's got it down to a T, and actually, he does it in a way that's like. <sighs> It's so weird because you, I've seen Donald Trump on TV with all these years of it, but watching Brendan Gleeson play him and speak like him in these, suddenly in this drama, you have this really odd character just suddenly thrown into what a serious drama, and you realise, oh, this is it. He, he is a real person, but he's, he's such an odd character, Donald Trump, and it, that yeah. sort of sort of brings it to life. I don't know, the, the, the reviews of it were quite average, but I really, really enjoyed it. it like, the whole recent history thing, you know, it it, it mythologizes uh, mm. Kirby a little bit, but, uh, you know, that was fine. It happens. And it was, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. I would recommend it. Mm. Recommend yeah, it. I'll probably watch it. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be watching that at some point, next couple of weeks. I mean, it doesn't sound as good as Sassy Justice, that's all I'm saying. No, I don't. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't watched that clip either. So. How have you not watched Sassy Justice? I, the amount of fucking times over the past week, I've told you to fucking watch yeah, it. Yeah, I just like yeah. You have not I watched will, that. That's do. fucking. That's made me really angry. Uh, do I can't believe you haven't actually watched what it. This is. Oh my god, that makes me. Oh, how have you not fuck it up there? Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Matt. Sassy Justice. Yeah, I will. It's, we'll get to move uh, on though, because no yeah. one knows what you're talking about. It's only fifteen minutes long. That's a long. I, you know, I'm a busy man. Dan, watch Sassy Justice. So um, the uh, creators of South Park, so like uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, mm. they yeah. basically they've got hold of a a deep fake studio, nice. um, and they've they, I read about it, and apparently they've been trying to make a film, but they they've kind of failed in doing that. Um, and what they've made is this like fifteen minute YouTube video, and they've put that out, and they've described it as like the most expensive fifteen minute YouTube video. I mean, like you, you watch it and it's like it doesn't look expensive, um, but yeah, essentially the it's um, so Sassy Justice, and it's um, the presenter is a guy called Fred Sassy, who's like a, an investigative journalist who has Donald Trump's face, but like a silver kind of wig on, but he's got Donald Trump's face and he looks, you know, this using deep fake technology, so it looks it looks exactly like uh, Donald Trump. And he's like doing investigative journalism, and like you know, he's he's very camp sounding. It's Peter Peter Serafinovitz who does like a sassy version of Donald Trump, anyway. 
who's doing it here. And yeah, it's just, oh man, just watch it. It's so fucking funny. So, I'll have a look at that. Right, yeah, featuring, um, um, oh, what's his name? Who does Facebook, Facebook guy? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg um, selling um, dialysis machines and like uh, uh, <laughs> an ad for dialysis machines presented by Mark Zuckerberg. It's good. It's worth it. It's good. Just watch it. It's only 15 minutes of your life. I was, I was intending on watching. You're I didn't pa- mean to offend you. About this. I'm, mate, I've watched it like five times. He's not passionate. Well, he's passionate. Also, he's annoying. Clips from it and stuff. It's in the queue of things to watch. Calm down. I'm going to watch it after this, actually. So, you fucking. You better well, do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, Should we stop? Yeah, we've got enough for really, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, we're keeping Dan up. It's past his bedtime, he said. Way past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Was it? Is it half an hour past your bedtime? Because that's how late Ben was. Or... Yes, about forty <laughs> minutes, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. The half an hour plus the ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Going. Yep, yep. <laughs> nice, nice, good maths. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. What, 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 what was? What's the resolution here? Well, how do you feel, Ben? Uh, Dan, about all that, all that whole thing? Yeah, I thought it went well. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, good. Thanks good, very much for having me on that. Yeah. Thank no, thank you. Um, and Ben, how do you feel about it? That's pretty good. I think actually, for once, apart no, from... No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> apart from this slightly shaky beginning, I think actually we settled into exactly the kind of discussion I was imagining. And that might be the first time that's ever happened on the podcast. I was like, wow, that's exactly how I thought it would go. And it pretty much was, apart from the bit where I was asleep. Uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, who sleeps that time? Anyway, um, shall we say goodbye then? Goodbye. 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 Goodbye, everyone. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thank you, Dan. Cheers, mate. Oh, guys. Catch you later. Bye-bye.